Welcome to Vossa, celebrating Pacific and Papua New Guinean voices and discussing our future. Vossa is a storytelling project driven by experts and creatives in the region with support from the World Bank in the Pacific and Papua New Guinea. Bolavinaka! My name is Arieta Rika and I am your host. While today's Talanoa is titled Livelihoods, we focus on the resilience and ingenuity of Pacific and Papua New Guinean people in the face of economic struggle caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. We don't shy away from the challenges that are being faced, but at the same time, we celebrate the strengths that are unique to our people and that have sustained us through these difficult times and will continue to sustain us in times to come. Our first guest is Marlene Dutta. Marlene is the co-founder of the much-loved Better for Bata Fiji Facebook page. And Marlene tells us of the evolution of traditional bartering to inspire an online economy of kindness. We're also joined by Lydia Dimakari. Lydia is wonderful. She is the senior project coordinator at the Kokoda Track Foundation, and she talks to us about pioneering women's groups in Papua New Guinea that have pivoted their material productions to suit the COVID-19 climate. We're also joined by Liz Peckin. Liz is the founder and the co-owner of the Havana in Vanuatu, and she has given much of her efforts towards restoring livelihoods through government and leadership collaboration across the region. So in Fiji, we have seen the birth of the Bata for Better Fiji Facebook page. And also, I absolutely love the purpose, which is to create an economy of kindness. So um, Marlene, could you tell us about how this all started? Bolavinaka, everyone. Um, Well, basically, like a lot of people, well, really early on, I could see when when our borders started shutting and, and uh, we started to get one or two cases in Fiji that the economy would suffer. We already started seeing lots of job losses, um, especially in the tourism sector, which holds up 40% of our GDP. So we knew that it, would gonna have, it would have real hard impact on a lot of people's livelihoods. Basically, I asked myself the question, what do you do when the money runs out? How do you keep going? Um, and for me, the one of the answers was bartering. Obviously, there are a lot of other um, answers as well, which a lot of our people are doing backyard gardening, returning to the land, returning to the sea. Um, and, and, and those, I mean, it's still happening and it's just grown exponentially. But um, I felt like there was something more, some, something else was needed. And for me, bartering was the, possibly the, the, the solution that made the most sense. One, it was something that we are all very familiar with in the country. Um, we've all been doing it in our daily lives, in our communities, on a small scale, exchanging things for when you run out of something, you go to your neighbor's place or you go to your cousin's place and you borrow, borrow something with the idea that you will give back when you can. Um, so it's something that we were all familiar with. And I thought that a Facebook page um, allowing people to barter would just open it up uh, so that you can move outside of your circles and you could basically trade with anybody else in the country with the hope that with the added numbers, you would find what you'd need, um, with, yeah, on, on a larger scale. Um, so, yeah, that's basically how it came about. 
That's awesome, Marlene. Since you've released the page, it's the response has been amazing. Like it's, I, I think it's not just Fijians in Fiji who know about it. It's international. Like I'm living here in Sydney and I know all about it. So I can imagine that there would be so many stories that have emerged that highlight the premise um, that you have put forward in terms of trying to create more kindness because that's something that we can give for free. So I just wanted to ask you, what have been some of your favorite stories uh, that have emerged from the page? Oh, wow. Um, There's certainly a lot of stories that have emerged from the page. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite because they're all different um, and and they all really are quite positive. Um, But what are some of the themes that have come out that that really have resonated well is that quite early on, we saw that the page started to resemble something a bit more than just bartering for what you need. People started bartering for what other people needed. So it, it, it turned out to be a way of um, doing charity work, to, doing, to helping others. Um, so you, you talked a little bit about um, the international uh, people from outside of the country um, on the page and on, on, on the group as well. And we see that a lot with the Fiji diaspora right around the world, where they are actually actively bartering on behalf of their families here in order to give to somebody else and for their families to receive what was what was being traded. So these, what, what it turned out to be was that the, it provided a lot of people who wanted to help but didn't know how, a, a direct way of seeing somebody that needed something and to reach out directly to that person um, and, and, and be able to offer what they needed. So it really moving on from just getting what you need. We've had stories. Um, there's one particular guy who lost his job and he went right back to early skill sets, which he thought he had lost with his grandfather teaching him how to remodel furniture. So he started doing that through bartering when he had no income for groceries, for basic groceries. He got inundated with requests. So he's now gotten the whole youth from his whole village, from his whole settlement. They've all joined him. And now every single one of those, the, the youth that was sitting around doing nothing are all remodeling furniture and they're all taking home groceries to their family. So it's, it's stories like that, I think, that resonate the, the best with us and um, really encourage us to keep going. That is really beautiful and it warms my heart to hear um, all of what you've just shared, Marlene. And I would like to open this to each of you. So what are each of your thoughts on, you know, our unique responses as people within the region creating local solutions? Yeah, I was just going to support um, what you were saying, Marlene, that the Melanesian one-talk system that um, uh, is so prevalent through through Vanuatu, PNG, and, and I'm sure even I'm hearing in PNG is, is that, um, that giving nature, and it's sort of ingrained in our custom and culture and our upbringing, so it's, it's very natural for us to give. And in Vanuatu, without any sort of formal, um, there is a barter, Page there, but without having a formal sort of platform, it is just in our community way to give to somebody who is in need. And we don't expect something back straight away, but maybe further down the track, when that person who is given is in need, then it is returned. And that, that's sort of a system that um, 
is ingrained in our culture. So um, I agree with you both, Marlene, in this, and I really think that, you know, the Melanesian way and during this time of COVID, um, I think one challenge for me is um, observing the way um, our traditional um, caring system had really strengthened throughout the COVID um, situation. Lots of um, creativity had come out from from this, um, from our international lockdowns to really look within ourselves and see what we had. Um, I think um, with the new trend and with the way the world was going, um, there was a sort of a fade in our identity and who we are. And we as also young people had really started to ask, who are we as Melanesians? Who are we as Pacific Islanders and individuals? Um, who 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 were we? And we started asking that question um, for, for some time. And when the lockdown happened, it was really identifying who we are. And I really like um, this battering system and how it's really um, integrated into the modern technology, using that and our identity as we are people who care for each other. And we give with no um, thoughts of you need to return that quickly. And some of us, when we give, um, you know, how our cousins and how, how our relatives would say, I'll pay you back tomorrow. We're like, no, just um, hold on. We, we don't really need it right now. So um, it's been really strengthened throughout the COVID um, lockdown. And I think more of us are now identifying that our strengths lie within us. So, yeah. One thing that I've noticed is that I, so I, um, my father is Fijian, my mother is Tongan. And when I was um, a rebellious teen, my mother said, go back to Tonga, um, go back and live in the islands. And um, maybe that might teach you a thing or two. And I lived with her brother and the family and um, it was just the best. And coming back to Australia, I noticed particularly in this time of um, great uncertainty and vulnerability that a lot of the values that were instilled in me by living in Tonga have kicked into gear where I've started to realise that, okay, um, you know, we, we may be facing a lot of economic stress as a family um, and not even just as a family but as a community. What can I do to be resourceful? What can I do to be... Um, to borrow words from my father in Fiji and Mata Yanga, um, which means like someone that is useful um, to my family and to my community. So I was just thinking of that as you were each speaking, that it, it comes down to a lot of things, as you said, Liz, that have been culturally ingrained into us, um, but also within like, you know, family values that are quite common for many of us uh, people in the region. So on that note, I'd like to ask you, Lydia, we have seen in Papua New Guinea, the Kokoda Track Foundation pivoting programs. Um, and you talk about, you know, giving and you have given so much through your work. I would absolutely love to hear some of the stories that you have seen um, emerge from the response to the economic impact of COVID-19 in Papua New Guinea through your work and through the amazing groups that you work with, particularly with women and children. Thanks, Arianta. So here at Kokoda Track Foundation, we have about four major programs, education, health, um, livelihoods and leadership. We Most of our senior staff have 
they stay in Australia and they travel up to facilitate our trainings to um, to coordinate our major events, etc. And we here at the Port Moresby office here in Papua New Guinea, we're, we're a small office of um, five staff. And so with the lockdown that happened, a lot of strain, um, a lot of anxiety happened. What could happen if um, our projects didn't run well? etc and um from that like i mentioned strength from within us and looking out for each other had really um, come up strong from the covid19 lockdown and so uh with our women that we work with the strong and merry business the idea is from um the ladies to look after themselves to um, to be able to generate income into their homes, into their families and their communities. And so we at Kokoda Track Foundation had um, bought sewing machines for the women um, and also sponsored them with the materials for the hygiene packs. So the hygiene packs work in a way in which the women are trained on how to um how to sew the hygiene packs and sell the hygiene packs in the communities that run. Um, there's a financial literacy program that runs and how they can um, look after their money, how it can generate that um, to buy more things and to sell more things like batteries or um, to sell small lights or betel nut, um, just to generate that income from um, from from their group and um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we had supplied almost like 3,832 masks into all our project areas. And we still have a second load of um, because the demand is high and people see a need for um, to have more masks. One success story is in central province, Gaba Gaba, where our um, leader, her name is Bavine, she had they had just skyrocketed with the sewing of the mask and the governor had um, bought all the mask and supplied the mask to his community, into the schools, into the markets, into the mothers. And so their business has really skyrocketed. They've come back with more demand on um, more materials to be coming from Australia so we can send them out and they can continue to sew masks. And so that's one of the ways in which... Um, We've utilized our women's project to be able to, for them to generate income, for them to be more skillful, and for them to be able to supply this number of masks into all our projects in, in the Papua New Guinea provinces. Lydia, I've listened with such interest and, you know, smiling listening to the, the connections and same stories. I'm, I'm not as personally involved um, with uh, women's sewing projects, but I do assist with raising money for similar sewing projects in Vanuatu. So um, it's just so you know heartening to to hear what's happening in PNG. Yeah, whenever you see an organisation that's quickly able to adapt and and change their their motive and and their their program areas to reflect what's on the ground you know that they're onto something good so yeah kudos to you uh, to the kokoda track foundation for that and on that note liz i wanted to ask you because i know that you are doing incredible work through the havana but also i can see that you're extending beyond um 
working with your employees to try to support livelihoods, you're speaking to government, you're speaking to the media, you're speaking with international um, counterparts. And, you know, I've been very encouraged seeing the things that you have been sharing and the work that you're doing. Yeah, the public-private community collaboration is, is really key right now um, in, in moving forward and just in coping. We listen to uh, PNG and Fiji. I think, you know, with custom and culture, we are very resilient people. But our, our well-being, our emotional thoughts, and which is something that's always been sort of taboo and kept just to ourselves, is now something that we're, we're sharing a bit more. I'm going to make a blanket statement here, and I could be wrong, but I think mental health is an area that the whole of the Pacific could possibly do a little bit more in. Um, I know I know, certainly in Fiji, our resources are really lacking in that, in that area. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on physical health, um, but yeah, the mental health is, is, is really an area that we need to step up in. Um, for me personally, I can say that actually establishing Bata for Better Fiji was my mental health break. Um, because like everybody else, I was frustrated, I was confused, I was scared, I didn't know what was happening um, right at the beginning. And I found myself lashing out at people, um, just like being really part of that negativity um, that was going out. And um, so I had, in terms of the, the Bata group, I had probably, I had researched it, I had done a concept note on it, I had sent it out to friends um, for their opinion about a month or six weeks, actually, even before I started it, on the very early days, like early March or end of Feb, I had done that, but I wasn't in the right space of mind. And it was only when I got my head around it and I really changed my attitude to a lot of things then I, that I realized it's like, okay, now you can start something and now you can hopefully use your lessons to encourage other people again, which is why for me it was so important to build on that kindness right from day one um, because I recognized that I was being the opposite before that um, and, and I needed to change and I needed to help people get to that place of the understanding is like, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what, we were all in this together. And for some, like the, the worry, for some that was purely financial, those who had lost jobs. For others, it was cultural. I mean, we all have our cultural practices and not being able to fulfill them was a huge strain on a lot of people, not being able to attend funerals or, or the mass gatherings and, and things like that. Um, and somebody in your, I mean, a whole culture changed in the terms in Fiji, in the terms of the way we celebrated and the way we mourned, um, where you couldn't do it in big groups anymore. There was no house cry, there was no ringu there was no all of these things. And, and it was like, so yes, the worries were in, in, in multifaceted. They were just not necessarily about money. It was the separation of families, not being able to see either your children schooling overseas and, and, and you couldn't go and visit them or they come in back. So the understanding that we were all affected, um, I think was quite, quite, quite important for me in my personal journey um, and something that we actively try to encourage. The other thing that came out of the group, which I didn't envision right from the beginning, but I hear more and more every single day, people on the streets or people that I meet stop and tell me 
they use the page as their go-to feel-good place. So when things are getting tough and when, when they wake up, no matter where they are and they're in countries where they're in lockdown and they're feeling restricted or frustrated, they find a sense of uh, community. They find a sense of positivity and that kindness and that caring coming out of the members of our group um, that encourage them and keep them going. For so a lot of people, they, they tune into it for that positive mental health or, or, or check. And as I said, that's something I mean, we never envisioned would, would be a, a byproduct of this that would actually help people deal with their mental stresses. I like the way how uh, Marlene, you had talked about openly come out and said about, you know, there are no resources in mental health in, in Fiji. Here also in Papua New Guinea, we see a lot of Facebook pages um, around mental health, but where is the conversation happening in our communities and where is the behavior changing within um, the spaces to create uh, more conversations, more care, more um, more encouragement in our groups to be able to um, have our behaviors change and to be able to also come out and be really realistic, be really authentic with mental health and what it is and how it's affecting each and every one of us individuals. Hearing each of you speak about uh, mental health, behavioral changes, and something that you said Mylene, about cultural practices. I'd forgotten about that, but I was tearing up as you were talking about it because my father had passed away. Um, so I was able to get to Fiji for the funeral, but I wasn't able to go back for um, the 100 nights, which is a Fijian cultural practice. And it was very painful and it greatly affected my mental health as much as I tried to put on a brave face. And when you're mentally not well, that does affect livelihoods because it affects your ability to show up at work or even show up in terms of trying to find work or find income or try to put food on the table. And um, I love that each of you have acknowledged what is happening in terms of resources in um, in Vanuatu, in Papua New Guinea and in Fiji and whether it be what is out there and what's not out there. On a final note, in a few words, what is your hope for the future of your country and for the region when it comes to livelihoods as we look forward to an uncertain future? For me, uh, personally, I'd like to see a new way forward. We, th there's been a lot of talk about this word reset has come up in, in so many spaces and in, 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 so, in so many areas. Um, but I really, for me, if the whole goal is to go back to when things were normal, I think we're failing ourselves. I think this is a, presents a perfect opportunity to find a new way forward. And some of these that, that a few of us have talked about this morning, about that value of our traditional um, ways and practices and everything, if they can be somehow more incorporated into solutions moving forward. Because, I mean, even if you think of, besides COVID, the other, all, all our other problems still exist. They, COVID didn't wipe them away and take over. So we're still dealing with climate issues. We're still dealing with a lot of other, other issues um, that affect the Pacific. And for me, really like Barta, a lot of the answers actually lie in the simplicity of the way our ancestors lived. Um, and, and I personally believe that. 
And I really feel that they could form the basis of whatever the future looks like. And I know, as Liz mentioned, we still do need money. Money is, is always, we still live in a cash-based economy. But if we can change the way we look at money or value money um, and put more value into some of the more simpler and easier ways of living and not that let that be the sole focus of what we strive for, the accumulating of money, the, the growing our bank accounts and all of that, but really concentrate on the, the sharing of, of, of each of what we have, of making sure that everybody can rise together and, and be on a le more level playing field moving forward. To me, that's what I would like to see happen. We have to care for each other. We have to prop each other up. We have to take responsibility individually and we must not leave anyone behind. I really agree with what Liz and Marlene has said about simplicity and we're in this together. And I really like to really stress on that um, our Pacific Islands have the solutions. We have um, the answers of sustainable development goals right here in our communities where every one of us has been practicing sustainable development goals even before the sustainable development goals were developed. And so, we have the solutions we have we have the we have the mental health solutions we have the resources in which we can strive for um, a better world and i totally agree with going back to what we called normal was the way forward but now it's with this um, new way forward and new capacity that we have seen so much sustainability in our communities. Climate change has obviously not um, has been such a big issue, but we have at least during this pandemic tried to develop creative ways in which we can look after ourselves, look after our environment, our people, sustainable fishing, um, logging, etc. And so with the hope of really um, back in the organization, just really strengthening that um, strength amongst us people to be able to carry out the work that we have been doing and not to just um, staying in one place and saying that that's okay and let's continue to do that like what you have mentioned earlier but really taking on what ways can we be creative allowing the space for creativity to come in for leadership to play a role that's um, leading your people but also being empathetic but also listening to people and being able to take on those solutions that your people give to you and work together in each and every one of us our work um, to be able to work hand in hand and to develop um, this new thing and this new uncertainty that we're all looking at but knowing that we have each other's back as Papua New Guineans as Pacific Islanders we've come much stronger and more resilient in in this time than ever and that concludes today's Talana thank you for joining us I left this conversation feeling really inspired and moved by a Pacific way of going through difficulty and rising above it to sustain our livelihoods now, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts. Did any of what we shared resonate with you? Personally, I've really loved seeing the stories and responses that listeners are sharing on our social media sites, and I encourage and invite you to join us too. I would love to hear from you. 
Join us on social media via Vossa Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, as always, please keep an eye out and an ear out for our next episode. For now, though, thank you. Thank you so much. Vinaka Vakalevu. I look forward to sharing our next Talanoa on Vossa with you soon. Bye.